Hi, I'm your least favorite local shiny and pheasant, Brendan. And I'd let Dragapult beat me up anytime, Jake. <laughs> and of course, this is Soundproof. Thanks for joining us again this week. Uh, we tried something a little bit new with our intro. Shout out to Jake for his creative prowess. <laughs> and uh, we're going to jump right into uh, our episode 23 here. Uh, we've got some exciting stuff planned and exciting stuff. We are going to be joined in the second half of our show by none other than Alessio Yuri Biscetto himself. And we'll be talking about all things format rotation, VGC UU, Series 6, and things like that. Um, and uh, it's going to be a good week, Jake. Yeah, definitely. Cool. All right. So we'll start out as uh, we are uh, contractually bound to do um, <laughs> with the Dash 23 Mons this week, which I actually didn't even get a chance to look over. I'm just kind of like peeking at them right now. So you are getting my unadulterated reactions to Ekans. <laughs> Your which visceral I feel reaction to Ekans. <laughs> I kind of like Ekans because... Like purple, you know, theme. Oh no, uh, I hate I snakes. Just, I actually like snakes. No, no, no. But, gross, but like, ew. but like, but like, snake is like the name is like. Oh well, yeah. I, I, I do think that's like funny. That. And also, I, I love Jesse and James. And Ekans was like one of their first like, mascots. So. They are funny. That is the extent of my opinion on Ekans. Yeah, I don't really care about Ekans. <laughs> I remember being before before um, Pokedex entries turned into like unadulterated nightmare fuel. <laughs> I was always concerned that Ekans like ate eggs from Pidgey and Spearow. That was oh, like yeah. one of the first ones that kind of alluded to the fact that Pokemon are the animals in, in that universe. Right. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's Ekans. 123 is Scyther, uh, which is actually interesting. I like never like really cared about Scyther. Like it's kind of cool. It has sword arms and stuff like that, but it was one of the first shiny Pokemon that was released in masters. Uh, so all of a sudden I really had to care about it. And, uh, <laughs> and now I have a, a shiny Scyther in masters. Shiny Scyther has been out in go for a while too, but I never got one. So I hate it. Yeah. yeah. I like my, one of my, this is weird, but one of my, one of the things I associate Scyther with the most is I forget if this is in stadium one or two, but it's the mini game where you have to like cut the log at the line. And it's like Scyther uh -huh. and Pinsir. Oh, I hate that. Yeah, I hate that game too. So like, yeah, Scyther was, makes me think of it. That was one of the worst. Yeah. <laughs> I, it's like, I think worst. it's a fine game. I'm just terrible at it. And no, so I, I don't therefore like it. I hate like it. reaction time. <laughs> reaction time is such a cop out for like a game design. <laughs> just be faster. Yeah. Um, all right. 223 is uh, Remoraid. Okay. Remoraid. Um, I, okay, so when I first played Silver and Gold, I was like, why does it only learn beams? <laughs> and then I didn't realize that it was, like, originally designed to look exactly like a gun. Yeah. I had no idea. Like, did you see, like, the lost version of it when all that, the data mine from, like, the old uh, Gen 2 leaked? And it, it just, like, it looks like a gun. And yeah, it makes and so like, much more sense when it actually looks like a gun. And it also <laughs> makes sense when you, like, because Octillery, Artillery's in the name. Like, that's right. how I, I always justified it. I also right. I like Remraid a lot because it's part of like a one of my favorite like evolution methods in the franchise. Mm -hmm. Like if you level up a Mantike with Remraid in the party, it evolves into Mantine. I think that's really cool. Right. Yeah, that's neat. There were a lot more of those in the later gens, but yeah, Remraid yeah. is cool. I think Oct Octillery also like it looked a lot more like a cannon or a tank or something like that before yeah. it turned into just like a stupid looking four legged octopus. Quadrupus. <laughs> um, Quadrupus. Tetra, I was... Tetrapus. There we go. Tetrapus. Tetrapus. <laughs> yep. 
Um, 423 this week. Oh, no, no, 323. Three? 323. I almost skipped over the Hoenn. How could I do that? <laughs> is Camerupt, uh, which is a cool Pokemon. I I thought, like, Fire Ground was really cool at the time, and it's yeah. actually still kind of a cool typing. Um, it's like a super strong offensive stab combination. Uh, only, like, it kind of sucks stat-wise. <laughs> yeah. But, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Camerupt was the first shiny I found, uh, like, naturally in a Pokemon game, and it was in mm-hmm. Black 2. And so it's I, I've liked it a lot since then. I think the shiny. It's really a cool, cool shiny. Yeah, that's the black one, right? It's black. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's neat. I think it's cool. That's a nice. I I always like the cries. The camera is a cool cry too. What is it? Can you tell me what it sounds oh, like? Oh, oh lord! It's like. Uh, no, no, it's like, like like that. Or something like that. <laughs> like it, it's it doesn't sound that disgusting. It like obviously that was just me like making sounds oh, in my okay. throat, but it's no, like. No, no. If you if you like play it and then like listen to me do that again, you like get what I was going for. <laughs> okay, I'll take your <laughs> word for it. I, I, I'm not gonna listen to it now, but I will take your word for it. Um, all right, four twenty three. This is actually interesting. I didn't realize that like Gastron is actually like a camera up partner. This is the first like competitive <laughs> pairing yeah. that we've seen as yep. we've like done these. This That's is so funny. cool. Yeah, I like Gastron. Um, I think it's cool. I'd like. I like well, okay. I like blue gastrodon, the pink one. I was gonna say which C. East, always. East, of course. Yeah, we stand. East side. E-C. We're both from the East Coast. We are drawn E-C- to East Coast E-C- gastrodon. <laughs> e C Beast C. <laughs> no, I, uh, either way, I think it's cool. Like it's whenever I play through Gen Four, uh, I like picking up gastrodon because it's like water ground is like a cool typing, and if you don't mm-hmm. pick um, Piplup, then. It's like an easy water type. I don't know. It's fun. I like I felt it. Like it. I feel like it sucked in game though. Its stats like aren't that good. Well, I mean, like everything sucks in game. <laughs> I don't That's play in game true. to like mid max myself. I just have fun. <laughs> Some things are crazy in game. Um, five twenty three this week is Zeb Strika, which is like probably like pretty low on my list of Pokemon. Like it's 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 definitely finds its way down there. <laughs> yeah, like it's it's a cool concept, and like I think aesthetically it's neat. But if you like look at its stats or like its move pool or like anything that has available to face. it competitively, it's just like really disappointing in like pretty much yeah. every way. <laughs> yep. Yep. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's just not. I think it was neat because it was one of those. It was like um like around the time that the design of Pokemon started to have much more like diverse move pools uh-huh. and it had overheat, which was like kind of unheard of for like an electric type to start getting a move like overheat. Right. Um, so that was kind of interesting. I thought as well, I think Manetric also gets those fire yeah. type moves, but yeah, um, when like gen one, it was just like your water types, so you only get these water type moves and like gen two is like your water types, so you get these water type moves. And then eventually, and I feel like Zeb strike is one of the Pokemon that I associate with that is like the move pool started to diversify a little bit and become more like flavor based. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was cool. Uh, 623 is Golurk. Okay. I've like, I'm like vaguely uh, recommending that we talked about Golit last time, <laughs> and we wanted to talk about how Golurk just like flies around with yeah. its freaking rocket feet. <laughs> <laughs> Golurk is so funny. I love it so much. I just don't understand it. Like, why does it have freaking rocket feet? It's like, and why it's isn't a, it a steel type? Ugh. It's a giant golem that can like turn its feet into a rocket booster, and it's also a horse. Did you know that's a horse? It is a horse, yeah. It was one, it of, the was one first... of the first things to learn high horse power. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like in, in Sun and Moon, it was only uh, like Mudsdale, Mudbray, and then Snorlax, yeah. and then Golurk. <laughs> Those are the three. 
Um, it's just like a true mockery of a Pokemon. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it really is. <laughs> I just remember. I just remember in uh, the Victini movie where like whichever uh, is flying around there's a Golurk that's like always fighting Zekrom and <laughs> and Reshiram and yeah. it's like it's like big enough that you're like damn that Golurk actually looks pretty cool it's like flying around and it's going after Zekrom and right. then it gets like it's poo kicked in and like knocked to the ground <laughs> and stuff like that man Golurk's a joke it's like nine uh, feet right. tall I think I remember looking yeah it's supposed to be big good. right yeah yeah all right, 723 is Dartrix, which is easily the worst uh, of that evolution, and I think the worst starter stage from that entire generation, and like one of the worst starter stages in the entire game. Oh my! God, how do you really ugly feel? Pokemon. Dartrix is terrible, dude. Like, have you seen it? Holy God! It's oh, no, like I have. Quilladin and then Dartrix. Quilladin. I kind of like Quilladin. Quilladin is on like the. Like, there's like a spectrum of like things that look stupid, from things that like look really stupid and I hate it to like things that look really stupid, mm. but like, okay, that's kind of cute. And I think Quilladin falls more mm. towards that end, but Dartrix is like, <sighs> why? <laughs> Quilladin hurts me. I, I kind of like it's, it. It's just like, I feel like I, I must have talked about this at some point is that you can very clearly see that like, there are certain, there are certain Pokemon designs and maybe they, these like, they're designed completely separately from each other where like you have uh, like just like you have Charmander and you have Charizard, right? And you're like, okay, uh-huh. now we need to bridge the gap. Yeah. And I feel like Quilden is just the most egregious example. Of that. <laughs> <laughs> I can so see terrible. that. Yeah. <laughs> it's literally just Star like Tricks has it's... like an independent design in mind. <laughs> it's like Rowlet's face with yeah. a body half the size of uh, Tissajui, <laughs> and that's all they do. Right. <laughs> God. All right, and the last one for this week, our Gen 8 Pokemon, is uh, Corviknight, which is a cool one. I think we talked a little bit about how this is like kind of one of the more important of the early route birds. Um, yeah. Alongside like Talonflame and perhaps uh, the one that learns close combat, that is Staraptor. Staraptor. Um, yeah, but that's pretty much it. Yeah, those are the only um, three that have ever had some kind of like competitive relevancy as far as VGC goes. Yeah. Um, I like it. I think it's really cool. I used yeah, Corviknight on my playthrough of um, Shield. I think it was really fun. Um, I like how it can play competitively. I think it's cool design. I have nothing bad to say about it. Hey, you were a big stand of it, like right off the bat when the format launched. I thought, right? Yeah, <laughs> you, you're using the bulk up set a lot in DW. Yep. Yeah, I really I liked bulk up body yeah. press. That was cool. Two fighting moves on a bird. <laughs> All right, so that's gonna wrap up the Dash Twenty Threes for the week. Uh, that was a pretty good. That was a pretty good group. I think yeah. that was fun. We had um, a nice mix of like always... good stuff and then stuff to make fun of. So that's nice. Yeah, like uh, like Golurk. <laughs> <laughs> Freaking joke. All right, uh, let's hop into the ladder. Uh, we are still in series five on the ladder. Yeah, <laughs> it took me a minute uh to actually see that because the first team on the ladder has five series six pokemon in an excadrill so i was like oh my god it's series six already i mean the series same with the series two team it's like it's not series two the second team on the ladder it's whimsicott and five uu mods (laughs) anyway i didn't even look at that yeah you're right anyway point being we are still in series five we haven't switched over to series six on the ladder yet um and i think there are there is at least one big series five tournament that's happening this weekend yeah it's Um, the rose tower whatever the rose that's tower right thing. Yep. i'll be casting that tune in i, I don't know if i'm allowed to say that but well i forget what the name what is it what is it called 
it's it's the it's their version of the it's the invitational right because it's I think this so, is the yeah. one that you you had to qualify to to play in yeah with the, with their circuit points or whatever mm-hmm. yeah so this is like the cool one this is like the the <laughs> nbi the the new version of the nbi right. um that's the nugget bridge invitational i'm sorry yes. I, I shouldn't have shorted it all right number one on the ladder this week is of course a galarian corsola <laughs> team uh that also has uh grimmsnarl corvanite amoongus primarina and <laughs> as is tradition <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I want to know why. Like, what does it do? I don't like, know. It's, it, well, it's always done the same thing. It just like it just like checks. nothing is the it, thing it does. It's, it's just like you play to it as a win condition. Like there are certain combinations yeah. of Pokemon that just like can't kill it. Yeah. Uh, if you use like the Calm Mind Strength Sap set, you like you can't die. You oh, combine Strength Sap and Will O Wisp, and you can just like checkmate things <laughs> um, with EVLA because it's so thick. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. I like. I literally have never seen it played in vgc's like i didn't even know calm mind was a set it ran well it's like a thing in singles isn't it so people were immediately just like oh i can just use it kind of like it gets used in singles i don't think calm mind is um, a thing in singles oh okay. like that's that's what it does though just be really fat i think it ran like yeah nightshade wisp stealth rock and strength sap or something yeah like yeah i think that's what yeah. it is um it probably has more uh relevance than cursula does <laughs> yeah i would imagine um, yeah Didn't uh, you play... so yeah that's no, no. Didn't you play like grass move Cursula at Dallas or something? I, I, I played grass and water move Cursula. <laughs> it had both. It had both, and I'm telling you, like I like that was my auto loss. I didn't have like a good <laughs> enough way to deny redirection trick room plus Corsola in the back, and like I just won because the other player just didn't identify that Cursula was an auto win against my team <laughs> and i ended up playing bad for the rest of the tournament anyway but like to lose i think he finished one and nine oh, or no. one and eight or one and nine <laughs> or something like that or maybe two he had two wins but i was just like i remember looking back and being like oh dear god <laughs> um he was a nice dude his team was cool um because had Cursula. Uh, so uh, the next team on the ladder, number two this week, is kind of an interesting combination of Pokemon that I've definitely never seen before. Uh, is uh, Whimsicott, Bearskewda, and Alchemy, and a uh, Chandelure, and uh, the football thing, Passimian, the f- and Dracozult. The football thing. This is kind of cool. Uh, this definitely looks like it could be a Series 6 team uh, if it wasn't it for be, the Whimsicott. Uh, it could just be a Talonflame instead. True, yeah. I yep. like. I question what Barrasquito does, other than like be really fast. Um, yeah, like I can kind of see what the rest of it is meant to be. Like Whimsicott Dracozult, obviously is good. Like we know what that does. Um, Alchemy we've seen on like the Lapras teams before with Decorate, and like, I don't hate it. It's kind of cute. Chandelure. I feel like I've yeah. seen Passimian Chandelure as like a combination before. Really? Like that's not the first time that I've seen that combination of Pokemon on the same team. Okay. I don't know. Take that for what it's worth. <laughs> uh, the third team on the ladder is definitely not a Series Six team. Uh, uh, it is a team featuring Dragapult and Mimikyu, Primarina, Ferrothorn, Incineroar, and Tyranitar. So there are four yeah. four Pokemon that you will definitely not be seeing in Series Four. Uh, <laughs> although Mimikyu kind of got the short end of the stick in that regard. Series six, rather. Did I say series four? I you did. Series six. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of cool. I like this. Is kind of kind of reminds me of some of the teams from like a month or two ago with, like, 
like kind of like the triple ghost theme time. There's just two this time. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what it is. Yeah. yeah, but it's probably like weakness policy dust clouds with like sneak Mimikyu or something like that. It's cool. There's a nice trick room mode on this one too. I assume the Mimikyu there has trick room for the last four yeah. rounds. It's neat. I feel like we stopped seeing teams like this because these sorts of teams kind of get like beat up by Sucker Punch, um, uh, Cinderace, the bunny, Cinderace. Yeah, yeah, Sucker Punch, Cinderace kind of like takes these things to task. Yeah. Um, and kind of pushed them out of the meta because you can just kind of like blow through it. But, um, yeah, that's those. I always liked that kind of archetype, so that's cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, the number four team on the ladder is a team of Charizard Clefairy, which I think is a combination you'll see a lot in Series 6. Yeah. Uh, but accompanied by some departing friends, including Rillaboom, Incineroar, Whimsicott, and then there's an Urshifu. What do you think the Urshifu is here? I think that... Like, I think it's we water. Can just no! Because that's probably Sunny Day Whimsicott. I'll open Sunny Day Whimsicott. I think they tend to be water nowadays. Like, isn't that kind of generally accepted as the one that's a little bit better? Is it? Um, I don't know. But it could also be dark because um, uh, it's the dark one. Uh, because I can see Dusclops giving that team a little bit of trouble. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. To um, me, Wicked Blow is a better move than Surging Strikes. But I guess that's not the only think, like deciding factor. Like, the typing is important. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fifth team on the ladder this week is a team of Chandelure... Uh, Rillaboom, Clefairy, Cinderace, Milotic, and uh, Toxtricity, um, which is actually like probably the best example of what like a meta team looks like right now that we have in this top ten, yeah. well, except for maybe this team at eight. Um, but those are like surprisingly, that's like a, a pretty meta Pokemon. Although you could have fooled me if you had told me <laughs> that there was going to be a day that two starters and a toxtricity was going to be like a meta team. <laughs> no, I, like this kind of looks like uh, what I think John Evans used in Players Cup. I know he had uh, Cinderace, Clefairy, Milotic. I, I, yeah. I think Cinderace is really Rillaboom cool. Rillaboom too. Did he, yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. I think Cinderace is really cool. I'm a big fan of it. Um, it like, it's like Greninja, but not terrible <laughs> in that. Well, I mean, Greninja can... would be fine, too, if you could Dynamax it. Well, and if it had Airstream. I think that's the big thing. Does like it, it not? I don't, oh, I don't know. Maybe it has bounce. but It probably still gets Max Strike, too. Well, yeah, I'm sure. You could run Max Strike with anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I don't know. I just think Airstream is really cool on it. I think it has some really cool options outside of Max, too. Like, High Jump Kick is really good. Uh, if you mm-hmm. pull in that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just cool. I like this team, too. It looks fun. Yeah, and uh, there's uh, similar combinations on the next team that does have the Toxtricity and the Cinderace, but this time alongside a more hyper-offensive yeah. combination of Pokemon with uh, Braviary, Whimsicott, Indeedy Mail, and uh, Dracovish. This is, like, blatantly hyper-offensive. <laughs> I am like, going to punch you in yeah, the mouth. <laughs> and you're going to yeah. like it. That's It's yeah. cool, though. This is, like... Like, if you were to make a list of things that hyper-offense has... Like Psychic Terrain, Tailwind, Dracovish, and yep. like Anti Intimidate. <laughs> like this team has all of them. It's really cool. Boom, got it. <laughs> yeah, that's like the hyper offense in 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 a team. Right. Like the the whole concept is right there. Yeah. Uh, the number seven is another very hyper offensive team. This one I feel like captures another aspect of hyper offense, which is uh, Chandelure to patch your trick room matchup. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and it has uh, Whimsicott, Cinderace, Togekiss, Chandelure. Uh, Intellion makes an appearance, yeah. and uh, then Toxtricity is also there. Yeah, again, kind of cool. I 
Toxtricity is a Pokemon that I think is really neat, like design wise. I think they did a really good job capturing like that kind of like punk rock aesthetic they wanted. Um, mm-hmm. But it, like it, it's like a little disappointing when you try to use it in game. But like, I think the way that these teams have been kind of building around it is neat because, like, it's like Overdrive is a really strong move. I think mm-hmm. people underestimate how strong Overdrive is, even without something like a Life Orb or Specs or whatever. Um, yeah, I, it's cool. I think there's a lot to be said for Pokemon doing damage when they're not Dynamax yeah, too. Like sure. that's so that's like there you get so much value out of that, which is why Urshifu is so good. Yeah, and we saw somebody make a run through Players Cup with uh, Drapion and stuff like that, where like if you can get value out of damage, uh, or get value out of like or high off, a lot, offensive value <laughs> out of non Dynamax Pokemon. Like I knew what I was trying to say. I right. just couldn't get out. Um, there's there's you, you can make that go a long way for you in yep. this sort of format. Uh, number eight, this is something that I would definitely call like a meta-looking team at this point. It features mm-hmm. Porygon Z, which is annoyingly really strong <laughs> and in the meta. Um, uh, Magnezone, which is honestly one of his biggest checks, and then Urshifu, uh, Incineroar, Rillaboom, and uh, Clefairy. And Clefairy uh, Porygon is just going to like define series six i think i was gonna say that clef pz is gonna be scary good in mm. series six and i think like trying to figure out how to deal with that is going to be a big part of the format um i agree just those mech strikes are stupid strong and it has the same kind of utilities uh, airstream does in like the opposite way uh, so it, like it's even like kind of supporting itself as it clicks attacks and it's just ugh. I hate it. Right, and then it can even further support itself with Max Darkness. Oh yeah. And then yeah. I think they're they're like pretty standard uh the standard set is also with Trick Room as well. Yeah. Um so you can either reverse or you know, set Trick Room if you felt like you needed to, which right. gives it utility, which is ridiculous. And it's not it's got like more bulk than you think it does too. It's Especially with Clark next to it. It's so freaking scary. <laughs> um Luckily, Dusclop stayed around, or else we'd have serious problems yeah. with Porygon Z. But yeah. uh, for now, it's just going to be only a minor terror. Uh, the number nine team on the ladder He's is uh, is uh, an unfortunate combination <laughs> that anybody who has laddered since what was 2018, he started to ladder. With no, that it was stuff. 17. Was oh, it was start. 17. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it's a combination of Lycanroc and a Sandsetter <laughs> and. Uh, many of you know what I'm talking about dun, already, dun, dun, but there's kind of this like notorious ladder hero uh, named Boaha Kof yes. that will lead without fail, like in rock <laughs> and sand, and click rock slide twice. <laughs> so good, I love it. Um, and he's apparently found them. They've found themselves in the top ten. Yeah, this is actually the ladder too. this week. Yeah, yeah, with a team of in uh, that combination, like in rock Tyranitar, and then uh, Indeedy female. Uh, Cobalion, Dragapult, and uh, Arcanine. So I don't know. What do you I think the chances are that that's dodging him? Justified Arcanine. Justified Arcanine. I don't know why. Does does uh, does Lycanroc learn beat up? Dragapult. Yeah, but does Lycanroc also learn it? I don't know. There's a Dragapult there. I, that's I not the know. point. <laughs> I don't know. I think I think he probably only beats up the Cobalion. I don't think it's I don't think it's justified with Arcanine. I wonder if it does. Would be my guess. Up. That'd be pretty cool if it did. Anyway. Anyway, last team on the ladder we're going to talk about this week. This is kind of like what good stuff is looking like these days. Yeah. Team of Incineroar, Dragapult, uh, Amoongus, which, I, again, surprisingly made the cut. I don't know if I've said that yet, but 
that's a weird one to think about like high percentage pokemon getting lopped off and it's sticking around but anyway yeah. uh incineroar dragapult amoongus magnezone togekiss and urshifu magnezone's picking up a lot i don't it didn't really see much use uh, until mm. i know some people used it in um like the players cup qualifier and that was yep. the first time i like knew it got a lot of use but i, I kind of like that it's picking up it's a cool mon yeah, it does some interesting stuff, and uh, with Excadrill kicked out of the format, we might get to see that around a little bit more. Yeah, um, which is cool. It like will Steel Spike, and then uh, Body Press you after mm -hmm. it finishes its Dynamax, which is kind of neat. And Electric obviously is always a strong attacking type. Yeah, and there are hardly any Electric types around, which is why even Toxtricity is getting usage these days. <laughs> so cool Pokemon. We might get to see that a lot. Oh, and the other thing, it checks Porygon too, uh, Porygon Z, which is insanely important as we go into series six <laughs> yeah. so righty. uh the last thing we're going to touch on this week before we jump into our uh little chat with yuri here is uh talk about some of the players cup results yeah. and um we had the pleasure of getting to watch that uh this past weekend and of course it was run by uh one by santini uh santino tarquinio with that Cole team, which Colossal. I know Jake was really excited about. Um, <laughs> I love it. And it was really a treat to watch that on stream. I thought he played it so well. Um, and I, I don't know, just like his game plans were just so smart all the time. And I think it's so hard to play a game, a, a team like that, where everybody in the room like knows what you're trying to do. Right. And then you still outplay everybody. Um, so like super, super impressive. Like It's even uh, more impressive, too, because he, he used that. In like the AC to qualify, he used it in the qualifying tournament, and he used it in the finals, and he like didn't. Was I it think the he... same exact team though? I don't know. I mean, I just meant colossal in general. Yeah, he um, did. Yeah, but like, and like, so it, people it prepped was... for it. Yeah, I was gonna say it's like reasonable to expect that people like prepped for a possible colossal, and he still dropped mm -hmm. like what two or three games the entire tournament, like it's games, not sets. <laughs> like yeah, mind you, like it's unbelievable. He just ran through this tournament, uh, which is right. really cool. I I really like. I don't know. I've been a very vocal proponent of the like moon series ludodon team that's like one of my favorite mm. teams in the past couple years uh and uh santino is one who built that originally i think not i think yeah like 99 percent sure he that did. was his um yep and then now he's running colossal and winning with it which is really cool because i love colossal and like i'd I, like i'm i have to be a santino stand now not that i don't want to be not that i wasn't before but like it's like official right now. i am a santino no stand. i think i think this is a stanty stand podcast uh, <laughs> yeah I'm, fine with that. I'm on board i'm totally on board uh <laughs> the one scary thing i'm not sure oh oh i, I is is just giving colossal momentum <laughs> as yeah. we go towards series six where things that can deal with it are being removed uh -huh. is, is quite a scary prospect to me. I don't know. That's, Bring it that's, on. that's a lot a lot to take in. Uh, uh, Santi was able to defeat uh, Maluka, is I believe his online handle, yeah. G-Sock Lee, uh, the runner up there, who was using a team of Clefairy, Dragapult, uh, Primarina, Incineroar, Ferrothorn, and uh, Urshifu. So a uh, pretty cool combination of Pokemon there. I think Clefairy is one of those Pokemon that's so incredibly high skill cap that it's yes. always a pleasure yeah. to watch people play with it. Um, watching people use Clefairy where it's like, okay, he's going to click follow me, and then you get like Helping Hand Phantasmed or something <laughs> like that are some of the coolest plays to yeah. watch or like... Um, you catch people targeting poorly and like protect with your Clefairy or something like that when uh -huh. they're expecting a follow me. I think it's such a fun Pokemon to watch. I fully agree. They're they're like 
there are a lot of things you can do with Clefairy that are far beyond, like, oh, click follow me every turn. And I think seeing people find those ways to use Clefairy effectively is neat. I know, like, there have been, like, the quote-unquote Smogon squad, like Nails and Rajan and that whole group. Now they've been a big fan of Clefairy for a while, and they've used it. For years. Yeah, pretty effectively. Like, they had a lot of teams in the past. I think Nails won a regional with it. Um, he did, yeah. There was Virginia 2017. Yeah, with the Lex. Yeah, but I think it's cool. I like. I, I agree. The skill cap on Clef is way higher than you would expect it to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, the third place uh, team, uh, which was piloted by Desu, um, is a pretty cool, uh, good stuffy team. I know the the one wrinkle that I really liked in this team was the beat up on Dragapult, mm-hmm. uh, but he had a team of Porygon two, Dragapult, Primarina, uh, Incineroar, so the triple starters there <laughs> with uh, Rillaboom and then uh, Terrakian. It was um, also so he did kind of. Oh, go ahead. Sorry. He, I, I saw him do it a couple times on stream uh, where he would like lead Dragapults and Terrakian and then make you decide whether or not he was going to beat up in Dynamax <laughs> his Terrakian yeah. or just uh, Dynamax um, Dragapult and Phantasm Rock Follow You or something like that. That's such a scary combination. Well, I think it was Helping Hand Terrakian too, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. you're right. It was. Like that makes it even more dynamic, which I think is cool. It's, like, it's like another example. Like It's similar to Colossal in that it's like a somewhat telegraphed like combo. But when you have a lot more like dimensions to a combo like that, it's it can be really effective. But I think that I think helping hand track in is like a really cool uh, tech on that kind of team. Yeah, I think that's super neat. It's uh, um, the, the, it's just there are just so many different things that you could do on turn one, uh-huh. including Dynamax either one, which is just like <laughs> so crazy to think about. So that's that's really cool. Yeah. Uh, the fourth place team was Conan's, uh, who had a team of. Uh, Togekiss, Dragapult, Excadrill, Incineroar, Amoongus, and Tyranitar. I don't really want to talk about it. <laughs> Who? Um, I don't. Not I don't, a cool dude. I don't think anyone not, got not fourth a cool place. Dude. This I'm is pretty this sure is we not, went from third to fifth in this tournament. This is not a Conan stand podcast. <laughs> we we do stand things here, but Conan is not one of those things. Yeah, we had um, one, two, three. No one got fourth, and yep, now in fifth we have Yuri. <laughs> Yeah, so Yuri uh, tied with Chris Khan for fifth here, yep. and Yuri's team uh, was the Tokus Dragpole Rotom Wash, which I think that's the only Rotom Wash appearance, which is kind of surprising uh, mm-hmm. in top eight. Incineroar, uh, Amoongus, and Excadrill, so pretty good stuffy, but that's the kind of team that Yuri's been playing for quite a while, I think. Yeah, and Yuri's all, for the last few years, he's been kind of a like the champion of the standard team. Like, he was a really mm. big fake PG player in 2017. He, like, had the, the standard Metagross team in 2018. Yeah. Um, yep. And so, like, it's not really surprising to see him using, you know, this kind of standard stuff and still doing very well with it. Um, I Like, I think it's cool that the kind of early format Ted combo is back here. Um, I guess mm-hmm. um, it's not that it ever went anywhere, but, like, it, like these, this is all kind of day one stuff that you might expect. But, like, that's kind of what Yuri's bread and butter is. Like, he's just really good right. at playing, like, good teams well. <laughs> he obviously right. did yeah, that Yeah, totally agree. Definitely. Um, and then, of course, he tied with Chris Khan, who is using uh, an Alola Ninetales team, which I think was yeah. really cool. And uh, um, did you did you see the play Pokemon tweet when he was leading Free Marina and Ninetales? No. Oh, my God, it's so funny. They, they, like, made a Zoolander reference because they're, like, two, like, 
beautiful Pokemon. Uh-huh. And they made that reference about like, is there anything else besides being really, really, really incredibly good looking <laughs> or something like that? Which is really funny. I have to go find it. I'm, I'm like not doing it justice, but it was That's really great. funny because I've never really seen that sort of thing from the Play Pokemon account. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, he was running a team of Togekiss, Cinderace, Primarina, Incineroar, Ferrothorn, uh, and Alolan Ninetales. So obviously it's really cool to see Alolan Ninetales here, um, given that it's a Pokemon that's definitely been significantly underused but he clearly piloted it to great effect here he's a really good player too oh yeah for sure uh, and I, I one thing that i saw people talking about a lot after the players cup finals happened was that ferrothorn just kind of showed up and did really well at this tournament uh, like we saw um Luca get second with it and chris is in fifth place with it but i think it's interesting with nine tails too because if you dodge fire types like if you like throw up aurora veil then your Ferrothorn mm-hmm. clicks Iron Defense a couple times, it's like impossible to break through it. Um, and so yeah. I wonder if that's how he played a little bit with that, or if that was like a game plan of his. But the Ninetales is neat. It has some unique like support options. It has Icy Wind and Encore, obviously Aurora mm-hmm. Veil. Um, you can shut off weather if you need to with Hail, so it's neat. I like it. Yeah, it's a cool Pokemon, definitely. Uh, Duck Pond at 7. And he did tie with Julian Martinez, which is uh, a Ladam player whose handle I don't know off the top of my head. I'm Me so neither, sorry. <laughs> uh, but Duck Duck Pond was running a team of Porygon 2, uh, Dragapult, Primarina, Incineroar, uh, Rillaboom, and Trakian. And, and I know he used Lapras in the qualifiers, so I have to think that a lot of these Pokemon are pretty similar uh, to what he did use. But uh, the one thing about Duck Pond's team, and he tweeted about it, is that he was running high horsepower on his Rillaboom, knowing that Santi had Colossal. <laughs> uh, but but he never played against Santi. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. It's the same six as uh, Desu, so I wonder if they like work together on that. It could be, yeah. yeah. They're both Italian. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the uh, other seventh place team, uh, with uh, which is piloted by Julian Martinez, is a team of Amoongus, Dragapult, Gyarados, Incineroar, Toxtricity, and Urshifu. So definitely, you know, Pokemon that we are not shocked to see up near the top there. I'm I'm a little surprised to see Gyarados there. Like it hasn't. Like it's always Gyarados kind of good. been around, but not really. It's a grass type. <laughs> yeah, Gyarados is a grass type now. Uh, I I only say that because it hasn't really been used too much. Um, but I do think it's neat, and I like I like this team a lot. It's kind of a, another example of kind of Toxtricity sliding into a team well, I think, and I'm I'm a fan. Definitely. Um, yeah, so that's going to be our top eight, and we're just going to hit on some of the things that I, I think we found interesting in the top 16. And the first one is actually one of the ninth place teams that's piloted by Roxen. Um, and the team uh, is Grimmsnarl, uh, Dracozolt, Gastrodon, Arcanine, Amoongus, and Corviknight. And one of the things that I think is really interesting about this team is it is a Series 6 team. Um, (laughs) every single pokemon carries over and he did really well in the series five uh tournament and it's just like a cool team construction it's one of those teams that plays incredibly slowly Mm -hmm. to like uh a corviknight win condition or like a a, like dynamax gashron win condition when you max quake three times and then you can't (laughs) kill it anymore um so it's really cool in a team that's like very or in a format uh, a metagame that's very offensive because of dynamax like being able to pilot something that's a more defensive team so effectively is super interesting yeah it's like five mons that play really well to that kind of slow play style, and then a Drakeazolt, not Drakeazolt, mm-hmm. that is Drakeazolt, um, which is kind of fun. It is Drakeazolt. It sure is. I, I really like like an immediate offensive option on teams like that, just to kind of mix it up sometimes, and I think Drakeazolt's a good mm-hmm. pick here, so it's cool. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
the next team I wanted to hit on uh, is the team that was being piloted by Hamstermania, <laughs> uh, David Kutesh. Um, and it was just like he just had a, a it's a very far departure from what he was running in the qualifiers when he was running like a more standardish sun team uh-huh. with the weakness policy in Cineroar, Um to a team that is just like entirely built around coaching Cobalion. And it's just like a whole bunch of things you can coach and a Togekiss. Because um, I think I remember seeing that he was running like Life Orb, uh, Corviknight, and stuff like that. So oh he was trying to just sort of like use coaching to make things hard to take down and yeah. also like do a lot of damage. Uh, but it seems like in effect it, it wasn't uh, quite as good after <laughs> I believe he had like a, a pretty dominant run through uh, qualifiers. Yeah, I think he did. Um, like I get what he was going for, but it just seems like... Yeah. Maybe that wasn't the best idea in general. Yeah, and I mean, like, he's he's such, like, a dynamic team builder yeah. that, you know, he's going to have hits and misses and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But unfortunately for him, it feels like maybe this was a miss, although it's definitely a super cool team. Yeah. I'd definitely like to try some games with it, but yeah. uh, maybe he judged the meta wrong or something like that. Speaking um, of misses, there's a Drapion speak- in this tournament. <laughs> yeah, d- uh, he, ra- he ran that in qualifiers. Right. I think it might actually be the same six, the Drapion... Or Drapion, Drapion, Drapion. I don't I think know. It's Drapion, isn't it? Uh, alongside uh, Lily Cole. Yep. Uh, which is really cool. Um, so it's a neat team. I think I touched on it briefly that Drap Drapion is one of those Pokemon that, like, with Sniper and uh, Crit Boost, can still do like a lot of damage mm-hmm. even outside of Dynamax, which is you know important, obviously. Yeah, cool. All yeah. right. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that's going to wrap up our, our players' cup coverage, unless there was anything else you wanted to touch on, Jake. No, I think we got it. Um, yeah, so again, congrats to Santi, who won uh, Fake Worlds this year. <laughs> um, it's definitely like a big achievement. This is like the biggest achievement that will be handed out this year. So, yeah. you know, it's not, th- it's not, it's not the same. But, you know, you can still call yourself the best player in this format. I don't think there's any <laughs> arguing that. This is the biggest tournament and most important tournament that we'll have. So yeah. uh, we stand Santi here now. Congratulations to him. Um, and we are going to jump over and have a conversation with another Players' Cup finisher. Uh, so we're going to step away for just a few seconds. And when we return, we will be joined by Alessio Yuri Boschetto. So stay tuned. trainers welcome back and thanks for sticking around for the second half uh of this week's episode of so i say this week as though we're releasing them weekly uh <laughs> for this edition of uh the soundproof podcast and we are now joined um by our uh favorite italian player i'm sorry to the italians that listen to that uh alessio yuri Boschetto, who's going to be joining us for the second half of the podcast and i'll let jake uh do an introduction for us like, honestly, if you don't know who Yuri is at this point, what are you doing? Mm. Uh, but uh, on the off chance that you don't know him by name, he won the Oceania International Challenge. Wait, Challenge? Champion? Championship. Whatever. Championship. Australian Nationals in 2018. He's a champion there. He's won a couple <laughs> regionals in Europe. He won the Players' Cup Invitational recently, where he, and he placed fifth overall in the, the whole Players' Cup spiel that just finished. Uh, he's had a day two invite for every world since 2016. Obviously, one of the greatest players currently. So, Yuri, thank you for joining us, and welcome to Soundproof. Hey, thank you for having me. 
He needs no introduction, but of course we'll give him one anyway. And uh, as I believe we mentioned in the first half of the podcast, I'm just going to make a note to mention that in the first half of the podcast. Oh my God. Uh, what we're going to be talking a little bit about um, is uh, some of the new uh, metagame that has just been bestowed upon us. Um, and some of the kind of interesting topics that we can delve into as a result of some new precedents. Uh, that are being set. And I think it's kind of interesting because over the past couple of years, after things were, you know, like relatively static for a bunch of years, maybe starting in 2013, it was pretty predictable on a year in, year out basis, you know, what our formats were going to look like, when the season was going to start, where the regionals were going to be. Um, and now everything is starting to change and continuing to change, um, where, you know, it sort of started with Sun Moon Ultra Series in 2019, and all of a sudden, we are now getting a, a pretty consistent uh, diet of rotating uh, metagames. So I guess um, I'll, I'll start, uh, Yuri, just by kind of asking you your thoughts on just kind of like rotating metagames in general. Do you think that this is a good thing or, or a bad thing overall? Um, in general, I would say it's a pretty good thing. Uh, formats could get pretty stale after some time, even though personally I loved post-Worlds formats. Um, but it can be well done and it can be pretty badly done, which, you know, some of them have been well done and some of them have been more debatable, I think. The worst done one was 2018 when they just didn't give us a post-Worlds format, which I will be angry about forever. <laughs> Uh, perhaps you meant ultra series <laughs> no ew. um so yuri when you say like the way that the way that they're done do you feel like you're just kind of like observing that some formats happen to be better than others or do you think that you know the formats that are being handed down to us could be balanced a little bit better um i think one of my main issues is uh other than the last minute announcement of uh, how we were going to have series back in the 2019 season, it was well done. We knew from the start how the season would develop uh, precisely, and we could plan around it. And also, the formats lasted longer. Uh, the shortest one back then was three months for Moon Series, I believe. Um, whereas right now, we're often having only two months of a format, which is way too short. And on top of that, we're often not knowing about the format change until like very very um close to the actual date we only discovered about series six and all the bands which is unprecedented mm -hmm. um about a week ago and it's coming into effect in a week mm -hmm. and in general i would say that's a negative uh to not have um knowledge of how things are gonna look like so, yeah like say what you want about 2019 whether you liked it how the formats played out or not. But the the way they ran logistically, I think, was super smart. Like, we found out at Worlds, which is way earlier than we usually find out about formats, uh, that, you know, this is going to be the format for this coming year. It's going to be split up in these dates. These are the Pokemon that are going to be legal. Items, the Megas, whatever. Uh, and we could, like, plan for that ahead of time. I, I, I agree with you there. Um, I don't really mind... Because, like, in the scope of, like, the series now... We did. We got like two weeks' notice for series six, which isn't a long time, like in by an objective sense. But it's like a quarter. Like there's only like a. Well, how am I gonna say this? It was like seventy five percent of the way through the current format. If if you say that each series has been a couple months so far, which I think is the case, um, and I don't I don't know. 
it feels like that's enough time considering the time scale that we're operating on now. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if you just take it as, as like a raw numbers kind of thing, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I think I think in that sense it makes sense. It's not a long, uh, like it, like it's not a huge deal. And also it is kind of a dry moment with not really having official tournaments right. and all. Right. So it's not as huge of a deal. But it mostly plays into, I would really like to know, let's say on January 1st, we're going to be playing this way throughout the year, yeah. uh, rather than having to discover step by step. Uh, even though they couldn't really have done this super well with a DLC anyway, yeah, uh, and Pokemon being released with Pokemon Home, uh, I believe. But just in general, uh, more early knowledge is always good to have, I think. Yeah, that's a good point. This is a year where we've had a lot more like change in what's even available to us than any other year. Because like you said, we had Home, which brought a few Pokemon back and brought uh, some abilities and moves and that kind of stuff. And then we had Isle of Armor, and we're going to have Crown Tundra sometime in the next few months or so. And so like even just within the scope of 2020, we're having a lot of changes. So I guess they figure now is a time to kind of Im- implement a system like this where it could be more easily changed, or the format could be more easily changed when you have these big releases. I guess that kind of makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I guess you could also argue that they're a little bit more willing to make some of the, I guess the interim changes we'll say, because obviously they were kind of big sweeping changes when home came out and when the DLCs are going to drop. But it seems like, especially with series six, uh, they've been a little bit more inclined to add some of those smaller changes. And because it seems like in a lot of respects, this has been kind of like dubbed an experimental year, kind of like a lost year (laughs) in a lot of, in in, in a lot of senses. Yeah. I guess yeah that makes sense. Yeah. I guess for those not like fully aware yet, Yuri, do you want to kind of explain what series 6 is going to be and how Oh yeah, it's we, we be probably should have done that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, so series 6 is the format that we are going to have starting uh September 1st, presumably for 2 months until Crown Tundra arrives and difference from series 6 to series 5 is that they took the top 10 from Battle Stadium uh, in Series 5 in both singles and doubles, which is something, <laughs> something we might we might want to talk about later. And they just uh, outright, uh, outright banned all of those uh, Pokemon, which is a total of 16 Pokemon since there was a bit of overlap. Yeah. Uh, and that shakes up the metagame pretty significant, significantly, I think. Uh, well, for obvious reasons. Right. As for reference, I wrote down the 16... Uh, they are Venusaur, Gyarados, Porygon 2, Tyranitar, Torkoal, Hippowdon, Magnezone, Togekiss, Excadrill, Whimsicott, Incineroar, Mimikyu, Rillaboom, Cinderace, Ndidi, and Dragapult. So all 16 of those are just gone for a couple months. And like, if you've been paying attention to VGC this year, or you even have just like a, a single finger on the pulse, you'll notice like a lot of really popular Pokemon there. So it's it's r- going to be drastically different, which is kind of cool. It's going to be fun to like see what happens. Uh, but again, it's kind of strange because we don't know if that'll last. So, like, we'll have this two months of this meta where, you know, any team built in Series 6, if those Pokemon come back, it, like, it's the team's probably not going to be usable anymore. So it's, like, a very temporary yes. thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That, again, plays into the we really don't know what their plans are, mm-hmm. and it would be really nice to know right now. Right. But it is what it is. The on getting banned is just hilarious. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, there there are some that are like very <laughs> obviously singles bands. Like Hippowdon and Mimikyu are the two that jump right. out. It's kind of funny. Hey, Hippowdon, do not put disrespect on Hippowdon's <laughs> name. They got top, 
it got top eight at Bochum Regionals back in January. Uh, so okay, it's okay. a it's a force. Clearly deserved the ban. <laughs> deserved the ban. It's a force in the metagame. Um, <laughs> Sand force in the metagame. <laughs> so. So, Yuri, assuming that we're going to kind of stick with this sort of rotating format, which shows no signs of slowing down, what do you think the optimal number of rotations is on a given year? I think, realistically, what Sun, Moon, and Ultra did is pretty much perfect. You get one post-worlds format. It kind of sucks that you don't get an actual post-worlds of the worlds format, Mm -hmm. but, you know, it is what it is. Then you get one format for the start of the year, and then you get one other format that you have enough time to play before Worlds to actually get accustomed to and for it to develop properly. Uh, it will usually mean that two international championships are played in it. Um, Ultra Series had Berlin Internationals and Columbus Internationals played in it. Uh, and so that gave it time to actually develop properly. Mm-hmm. And pretty much that hits the sweet, the sweet spot for me, I think. Regardless of like how good the formats themselves are, which is completely unrelated. Well, I think I think the one thing about the restricted format with Sun Moon Ultra is that they kind of stacked on each other, which is like, mm-hmm. it, it, you know, in in the context of our circuit where you are kind of like building towards worlds the entire year makes a ton of sense. So in that respect, like I totally agree with you that like having formats that could realistically build on each other <laughs> makes a lot of sense. But uh, I don't think that's something that we can expect necessarily you know every year and especially now that we've actually taken a step backwards in (laughs) development here with like just banning out all the good pokemon um so do you feel like that's something that also contributes to to what made sun moon ultra good or is that not something that you're really considering you're just sort of like looking at the time period i think it partially made them good made it made that good but i think the time period is really what um sets it for me because uh, having, I think it was like about four months of the format before Worlds was pretty important in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and regardless of like how the formats change, you could even like decide them on the spot. It would be nice to know in advance like we did for Sun, Moon, and Ultra. But right. even if it was decided like two weeks earlier, um, it would be fine. Uh, obviously, Sun, Moon, Ultra created kind of a perfect way to do it uh, just because of how things could be done. Uh, and that's not always going going to be available, like adding Z moves and then and then adding Megas and Primals and everything. Uh, but it's it's something that could be done with different formats. You could, in theory, you could you could have, for example, a format without Dynamax and then a please. format. Oh my God! Please, uh, yeah, please give me a format without Dynamax. Just in just in general. Just in general, give me a format without Dynamax. But yes, they could. Uh, have a format with a Dynamax and then a format with Dynamax. Obviously, that's only two, so maybe just let post-worlds roll around normally. I don't know. I'm not saying I have the final solution to right. how to... Mm. Final solution was not a great, a great warning. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying I have the perfect solution to um, uh, to how to make formats, but I think having formats change every two months, like we've had this year, mostly, uh, is kind of excessive, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Right, so you don't. I mean, we're not. We're not asking, and we'll, uh, we'll probably never have a perfect format, right? But it's pretty. Yeah. Uh, it's at least doable to observe some of the things that are good and bad about some of the formats um, that we've had. Uh, so, so one of the things that we did want to talk about, as far as like you know how fast uh, these formats rotate, is the development of metagames, and you know whether or not 
you know, two months is too little time, uh, whether or not four months is too little time, you know, what actually is an, an optimal amount of time for a metagame to develop. Because I've, I've, I've heard some people say that we could have played a format like uh, 2015 for like two or three years and continue to observe <laughs> metagame development and stuff like that. Um, so how do you feel as far as time periods as it pertains to like metagame development? So I think it obviously like varies by metagame. Mm-hmm. Some, uh, some metagames are just more prone to continuously developing or becoming more interesting, let's say, uh, whereas some formats feel like development is even detrimental to them because it just brings about, uh, it brings uh, either degenerate strategies or just things that are not super enjoyable to play with. Um, but um, in general, I feel like four months, uh, which is, again, a third of the year. That's also partially why I liked um, that specifically with uh, the Sun, Moon, Moon, and Ultra series. Mm-hmm. Three to four months is about the sweet spot for me. Uh, because you're going to have at least a one month of people uh, testing out the water, seeing what works. And then the first tournament in normal times where we have majors, the first tournaments roll around, uh, you get uh, interesting things out of them, and then you start building on those. Uh, and then you, you can get several waves of tournaments. Um, but after a few times formats, after a few times that you get waves of tournaments and people adapt, it sometimes just turns into rock, paper, scissors of mm-hmm. um, of uh, team matchups. And at that point, it's just about the good point to refresh the metagame, find something new to play with, new toys. Um, that It doesn't always happen that way. For example, I don't think VGC 2015 happened that way, which is why a lot of people say that it could have continued for years. And I kind of agree with that. If only... Um, <laughs> I, w- I was about to say, I think Jake might have been one to think. <laughs> I am a massive 2015 fanboy, yes. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Like, just in general, I wasn't, back then, I wasn't like the hugest fan of VGC 15, but in hindsight, I can see how it could have kept going and still been interesting. Um, whereas other formats, like for example, uh, 2017, as much as I love 2017 personally, I think. After the 13 months we got of it, it was about time for a change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think 13 months is definitely a little excessive in, in most cases. And I, the one thing that I always regret about 2015 is we just never got to see the Abomasnow portion of the meta. It, okay. just, uh, it just never came about. <laughs> that might like, have uh, happened in like the seventh if, year uh, of 2015. <laughs> it's... Uh, about as good as it gets for a lander's counter, but yeah, I, I, I think I, I think I mostly agree with you, Yuri. I feel like somewhere between four and six months is kind of where we start to see things either like aggressively stabilize or aggressively mm-hmm. destabilize. And I think you're, you're mentioning degenerate strategies is like uh, a pretty good way of putting it. And maybe this is actually uh, uh, an argument against some of the things that happened in 2015, where Smeargle usage started was, to pop up right near the end of it. I was it. about to say, what are you trying to say about Smeargle Tauros? And then it just, like... Yeah, let's say... Oh, man. Um, <laughs> Smeargle Tauros was not the most uh, fun and interactive team to play with, but it was an interesting team. I brought it to I mean... a premiere challenge, and it was hilarious. I did really badly because it wasn't a good team, but it was really fun. <laughs> well, you just didn't coin flip well enough was the problem. Sure. <laughs> 
but I mean, I guess uh, the point being, I wasn't looking forward to future iterations of that team because it was already like continuing. Like there was a Metagross variant of it at some point. Anyway, <laughs> um, my point I being, think, I, uh, in, yeah, go ahead, Yuri. Go ahead, go ahead. No, no finish your point because I was getting ready to move on. Yeah. I think uh, in general, um, the problem with degenerate strategies uh, is that once they actually do roll around, uh, even if the metagame develops, it's rare for the degenerate strategies themselves to go away. They uh-huh. can usually just sort of adapt, mm-hmm. and it's just a, a, a clear negative. Right. I, th- I think that's that's fair. As, as much as the casual viewership loves the degenerate strategies, it tends to detract from you know the quality of a metagame. I uh, completely agree with you. Yeah, I agree. Like once Kang Torn became a thing in 2019, it was just all downhill from there. You know? uh, I mean, that it's hard to call that degenerate just because it was I so know, defining. Was, but I also hate it was Kang Torn. <laughs> I, I wouldn't call it degenerate. I just hate it. <laughs> we spent a long time hating I, I Kang mean, Torn I, on this I, podcast. I personally liked none of Ultra, so I will just not comment on Agreed. that. <laughs> Agreed. Um. Uh, so in the context of the the metagame that we're now getting, we're going to kind of change and focus a little bit more on just Series 6. Uh, we are affectionately kind of calling this, uh, and, and I guess Jake can call it most with, with the most credentials, VGC UU, right? We've effectively like moved towards um, some of the things that Smogon does as a way of balancing its metagames. And obviously, balance was not in mind, where they just lopped off the top, like, <laughs> 10 Pokemon, and there was no look at, like, percentages or votes or anything like that. Um, but we are kind of, like, forced into all of a sudden this, like, second and third tier of Pokemon um, becoming, you know, the new metagame, so to speak. Um, do you do you find this to be, like, a good and exciting way of introducing a new metagame, or do you, do you think it's it's terrible to be removing, like, metagame staples? Um, so, I think the problem is, uh, in general, VGC, um, as a community, let's say, has always been pretty good at finding staples in whatever the format offered. Mm-hmm. We always had to deal with restricted formats in the sense of decks restricted, uh, and we just always kind of found things to play with. So, it's not that I'm scared uh, that we will not find... Uh, good enough staples in Series 6 to have a format, uh, despite the fact that Dynamax doesn't help uh, in that sense. Just a bit more shade of Dynamax there. <laughs> um, uh, Dynamax makes it really hard for staples to actually be staples uh, without a lot of other things being around. Um, but in general, that's not too much of an issue. And just removing things uh, with, like, let's say, a blanket ban mm-hmm. um, is awkward, and it's definitely like not the optimal way uh, because it will, it could create a healthier metagame, it could create a worse metagame. You just don't really know. Yeah. Uh, instead of doing it the actual Smogon way, which is uh, with criteria for every single ban and like reasoning, um, and that is more likely to lead to the metagame becoming better. Yeah. It doesn't always work, but it's more likely to work that way. Uh, in this case, it's it's really whatever for me. It's essentially it's just changing metagame. It's a new one. Uh, we have to figure out how things work. I haven't really worked on it yet much because I still have a Series 5 tournament myself. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's pretty much the same as just saying, oh, here's a new format with 
this dex. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not particularly special. Yeah. It's not reasoned. So that's if we want to like, to it. if we want to make the full comparison to how Smogun does like UU and OU and stuff, UU is is actually decided like the same way as this series six basically was. It's all usage based. It's so, like the every I think it's every three months we have shifts. I don't think I know it's every three months we have shifts. Uh, and the Pokemon that have usage above a certain percentage are all like all get lopped off and labeled as OU, and anything in that category can't be used in UU. Um, so it, like essentially, it's, it was decided the same way. The difference is that like for a format like Smogon UU, you can like change it afterwards to make sure it's not kind of like to make sure there aren't a couple like really crazy broken things that are just going to kind of run the format and have very limited counterplay. Like if that happens in series six, we're just kind of stuck with it. Uh, but if you're if you're doing something that's more curated, like like underused, then then you have some chances to make it, you know, a little bit less uh, not centralized because central centralization isn't a bad thing, but like just less entirely dominated, but like one or two things. And I think that's the main difference yeah. here is that you know I don't I don't mind the usage criteria like that's if you're gonna pick some Pokemon to ban because of the best, I think that's the easiest and most fair way to do it i probably wouldn't have included singles in ours and doubles in singles but that's probably a different conversation <laughs> um, but rip, rip yeah, i think um, the main difference <laughs> the main difference for me is that i think this relates less to uu to ou and more to from ou to ubers mm-hmm. um in the way i see it um because even though it, like it is usage based which is similar to how uu and ou work um the idea there is that you are actually technically kind of creating a different metagame, whereas we're not really creating a different metagame. Uh, like, the, there's not something above this. Right. Uh, this is all we have, and we just got bans to a tier that's... I mean, people play Ubers, but in my experience when I was around Smogon, it was more of the tier, like the less important tier. Um, I won't comment that, on that one. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I wouldn't say that way. Like, I actually personally loved uh, Ubers in some generations when I played it in singles, not doubles. I haven't played doubles Ubers. Oh, that's um, don't. But Just please don't. <laughs> Magirna is crazy. In... Don't touch the Ubers. <laughs> oh, yeah. But in general, what I mean is overuse is the single most played tier. Yeah, yeah. And so that, rela- that relates to the VGC in the sense that the most played tier is our OU, which is VGC. And we're not moving to underused. Um because a lot of the Pokemon that would still be considered OU by usage are still there. Uh-huh. Um, I don't remember what the usage stats are for singles and OU and stuff, but uh, we're just removing a lot of things. Um, and we're also not getting anything new when there are shifts that are usually also Pokemon that drop to underuse, yep. uh, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, you're right. So that's also a big difference. I think also just the sheer number of Pokemon that get lopped off between OU and UU uh, has a significant impact compared to uh, this this tier shift where we're effectively getting, you know, I guess we can make an argument that like Gyarados and P2 were part of it, but like we're not counting Hippowdon and Mimikyu, which had fallen pretty much out of usage. It's like 
we're, we lost what 14 pokemon so there's still a huge chunk of pokemon and like the metagame that still exists and there right. are still like almost entire teams that are still intact so i guess that is is you know to me a little bit more interesting because in the separation between OU and UU, you're like destroying most of the things that were popular with the exception of some of the niches, but like a lot of teams that were, you know, at or near, you know, the top of the metagame still exist. Yeah, I agree. A lot of Porygon Z teams, for example, yeah. didn't really God. lose, uh, <laughs> didn't really lose much and they only gained a yeah. lot. Um, for... I was looking at my team builder the other day and I realized that I had a Porygon C team that is completely illegal except for a Gyarados on it, which I can replace, sure. you know? And the entire rest of the team is still valid, and that was most of what worked in the first place, and a lot of threats to it got removed. Mm-hmm. Porygon Z is going to be crazy in Series yeah. 6, but that's another, <laughs> that's another I issue. I saw a calc the other day that was like Porygon Z, Max Strike, Okoing a Dynamax Duraludon or something like that. Like, uh, I don't think it's I think, I think it was... Maybe it wasn't. I don't, I don't know, but it was still. Bad. I think it. It probably does like ninety. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah, only like, the 90. point is that it does <laughs> it entirely does too much. <laughs> yeah, it does a million damage. Um. Uh. So at the and the kind of the last question I have uh, as far as like opening up a UU format is, this is kind of something that like the casual fan base has clamored for for a really long time, right? Where they're like, oh, everybody uses legendaries and and the top (laughs) eight Pokemon in the format. The format's stupid. VGC is stupid. Everything's stupid. So now we have this, like, interesting situation where all these kind of, like, underused Pokemon potentially are being pushed to the top. Um, So do you think that this is, you know, good for the viewership of VGC as a whole? Or do you feel like all that's going to happen... I'll tell you what I think is going to happen is things are going to centralize anyway. And we're going to go back to having the same conversations we've had for a decade. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I 100% agree with what you said. Realistically, uh, Dynamax formats centralize less, but they will still centralize anyway. Mm. Um, we will find things to centralize around. There will be probably a lot of Durant and a lot of Porygon Z and hyper offensive teams like those. Uh, and it will most likely have a lot in common. Lots of lots of good Pokemon still exist anyway, uh, and they'll just be better because they they have less checks. Uh, for example, Amoongus, I think lost several checks to it. I didn't. I just uh, would have assumed that Amoongus least... was in the top ten. Honestly, I was so surprised that it didn't. It wasn't one of the bands, <laughs> yeah. but yeah. yeah, at the very least, lost Togekiss as a check yeah. and Incineroar. Yeah, it Amoongus is very much stronger than before, and. Uh, the metagame is still going to centralize, and casual viewership is still going to be complaining about it, and it's just how it is. <laughs> and I don't think that's... Uh, I think that's just a cycle we would never get out of. Yeah. It'd be really interesting to me if this happened in a format like 2015, instead of somewhere like now. Because if you, if you take like the top 10 Pokemon of 2015 and remove them, I think 2015 becomes like an entirely different format. It's... Because, like, so much of it was centered around, like, the best three or four Megas and then, like, the Genies and Amoongus and Crest and, like, whatever else was on Chalk. But yeah. and it, without those, it becomes really crazy different. But now, like, like obviously we're used think... to all these Pokemon being at the top. Like, it's going to be weird not having Togekiss. Like you mentioned, that's one of the biggest ones. Dragapult's been pretty big the entire format. But it's not, like, 
I don't think the identity changes as much here as it would for a different format. It would be also kind of funny to see if this would happen in like a legendary format or like the 2016 and 2019. Yeah, yeah I saw see, people like, joking about that on Twitter all, yeah. where you just knock, knock Cernius Groudon out and see what happens. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I think most other formats, um, again, that don't have Dynamax because Dynamax made it so that many more Pokemon are viable, yeah. which people can argue whether it's good or bad, but it's, from an objective uh, standpoint, a lot more Pokemon have high usage overall. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas in other formats, uh, they were more centralized in this. Even the even the ones that were considered uh, not too, not very centralized. If you look at, for example, BGC 2017, if you remove the top ten, I am almost a hundred percent sure that all the four Tapus would be in the top ten. I would think so. And and that just changes the format completely. Right. You remove all the Tapus, you remove Arcanine, you remove the most used Ultra Beasts, and... Garchomp, probably. I don't know. I don't know what... Yeah, Garchomp. The format is completely different. Yeah. Nothing in common. Um, same for 2015, as you said, and a lot of other formats, I believe. Uh, for example, in 2018, you would remove probably all of Metagross, Gengar, and Charizard, realistically. Yep. Different format. Just different. Completely divorce time. Whereas now, <laughs> whereas now a lot of the identity is conserved, partially thanks to Dusclops dodging the ban. That one surprised me. Uh, <laughs> what was it? Eleven dodged the ban thanks to thanks to P two existing. What is it? Eleven? Was it eleventh in the VGC usage? Like, uh, I don't was, remember, I've been meaning honestly. to go look at that and see who dodged it nearly. <laughs> uh, but I did just want to briefly observe that if we knocked the top ten off in 2015, it would arguably make Obama Snow worse because Chalk was like <laughs> one of its best matchups. No one cares. Incredible. Whatever you do, Obama Snow is going to become worse. <laughs> <laughs> All fire types removed from the game. <laughs> um. Uh, I had thought of one more question. Oh, uh, so do you think that in general, I think you might have answered this question already in that your perception, this is just like kind of another whatever way to deliver a format. But do you feel like this is something uh, like lopping off uh, based on usage is like something that you'd be interested in seeing like further down the road as far as a rotating format? Or do you think that there are better other ways to, to balance for TPCI? Um. I think it's, yeah, it's just a whatever way to change format, and honestly, like, it's fine by me. They can do it the same way. Obviously, personally, um, I would like formats to change uh, with uh, competitiveness in mind. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, as someone who plays, usually, when there isn't COVID around, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, 12 majors a year, just about. um, Competitiveness is obviously, like, important to me. And... I don't think uh, this is the best way to change it in that way, and it would be really nice if they had. Um, I'm not. It wouldn't have to be like Smogon, like a voting system with the players, but they could have contacts with at least, uh, you know, t- either top performing players or players from like Rayriza who doesn't really play anymore, but could be like an excellent contact to understand how metagames should work. Mm-hmm. And that, in general, that would probably be healthier let's say well i think that would be ideal right. uh, but they've kind of recoiled at the idea of kind of doing that at any point i think there was there was like a, a support ticket campaign to get smeargle banned in 2016 <laughs> and we couldn't even get that done um so it seems like that's kind of like unlikely for them to actually make targeted bans with balance in mind mm-hmm. um 
because I, I think I, yeah, I agree I with think... you. I think that's ideal. Like if TPCI actually set out to try and balance its own formats, we've solved a, we've solved a lot of problems as far as like uh, some of the things that have you know at least Pokemon wise plagued VGC over the years. But um, I'd I'd be surprised to see that anytime soon. I think usage based tiering like that is sustainable on a larger scale than what we've done with Series Six. Mm-hmm. Like if we're just going back to the UU example again, like. There are like probably thirty or so, thirty to forty Pokemon that are like OU labeled, so like can't be used and underused, and that just that gives the tiers like two separate identities, which I think is good. Uh, but just like lopping off the top ten of a random format like VGC Series Five, uh, like there's still a lot of Pokemon that are like pretty key to the format's identity that still gets like in. Like we just talked about Dusclops. Like I don't, I don't think the formats are different enough for this to be something that is repeatable because mm. it's just like it's it's not much of a change and what change is happening is probably I'm I'm not gonna say it's for the worse but it's it's not like I guess I used sustainable before but it, I don't know it's not for the best idea yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah but yeah like I I I agree with you that's also partially why I was talking I don't know why I didn't word it right that way the back then but. When I was saying the Ubers thing, it's also in that sense that Pokemon go to Ubers way less than Pokemon go to OU from UU. Uh-huh. Um, and like, if you blanket band like the top forty usage, that changes the that actually changes the format yeah. completely. I still think the format is going to be pretty different, but it, the identity is still kind of similar. Yeah, I think to me, at worst, at least right now. I mean, we could look back in hindsight in a couple months and think this was like the worst thing that ever happened. <laughs> but at the very least, right now, it's just something new, um, which I it's, guess is yeah. Is what it's also super for, low you know? impact, right? Like especially now that Players Cup is over. Like, there's not really any. Well, there's nothing official that we know of. Um, but even like the online tournaments that we do have, all the grassroots stuff, like none of that is like super like earth shatteringly important. Like right. The like the Victory Road tournaments and Rose Tower that kind of stuff. Like obviously those are great and it's awesome that we have them and people enjoy them. But right. like those being played in a suboptimal format is much less impactful than us having like an NAIC in Worlds in a weird format. So like I guess this is a good yeah, time absolutely. to experiment. Maybe that's yeah, what they're using right. this year for. But I think uh, it's 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 kind of funny. I know Yuri mentioned this earlier, but if it was like if we do did just overlay this over a typical circuit. It would have deprived us of another post worlds format. <laughs> um, all right, so uh, I mean, I'll be completely honest. Deprive me of Venus or post worlds format. Anyway. Oh, that's <laughs> is that what it was going to be? Okay, then I'll say thank you. <laughs> oh God, Venusaur. Uh, so Yuri, I know you touched on a little bit some of your thoughts as far as you know what was going to be good or what the format was going to look like, and that it was probably going to be hyper offensive and re- revolve around stuff like Porygon and Durant. But do you have any like bold predictions or hot takes as far as uh, what this format is going to be? Um, I don't really have bold predictions or anything it's mostly i think a lot of hyper offensive pokemon are going to be good uh amoongus is going to be amazing uh as probably the best supportive pokemon right now it lost so many checks um and the one bulky pokemon that is probably still going to be good is lapras Mm -hmm. because you know it's the only pokemon that can really afford to go bulky still thanks to aurora veil yeah, that's like the last remaining defensive team. <laughs> <laughs> and even that is probably going to have to go more offensive, realistically, uh-huh. in this format. More like towards the life or variants. And it doesn't have Rillaboom for 
late game shuffling or like a, like the the most recent Lapras teams, even the offensive ones, still had. Uh, after you set up Auroraville, you have Rillaboom and Snore shuffling for the mid to late game. Mm-hmm. That's not a thing anymore, unless you want to play Thwacky and Torcat. <laughs> so I don't think Thwacky is actually going to be okay, to be honest. <laughs> like, Th- obviously not as good Thwacky... as Rillaboom, but I think it's going to be usable. It still will check stuff like Primarina and Red and Wash. Thwacky could be a Pokemon. It could be a Pokemon. Um, uh, what was I just going to say? I forget. I had a I had a funny thing to say and now it's gone. Well, I'll do my bold prediction then. I think <laughs> Ninetales is going to be popular. Oh, I, I remembered my that... funny thing. Sun Ninetales? Huh? No, like I can't tell. Sun. The sun one, the fire one. Yeah, Sun. Sun. Yeah, because because like it's just another Venusaur hop- is gone. Offense you know? team. Yeah. Yeah, Venusaur and Torkoal are gone, but Charizard's still around, and Charizard Ninetales is really scary because it's kind of the more hyper offensive version of Sun. This is something that DU's picked up on. DOU has picked up on. Like, uh, Sun is really common in DOU, and it's always Ninetales, and it's, like, never Torkoal anymore. And part of that's because Trick Room isn't really in a great spot in DOU. Um, but, like, Ninetales is fast, it hits pretty hard, uh, it has Nasty Plot, which is a set that a lot of people run. Um, but I just think it's cool for, like, Does a... Does not sound like a VGC set. It... Wait, DOU is Dynamax Band, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah, that makes more sense with the right. Nasty yeah, Plot. True, <laughs> that's a good point. Um, <laughs> You know, I think it's cool. I think it has a lot of utility that uh, Torkoal doesn't. And I think after Series 6, uh, if Ninetales becomes a thing, and then they like unban everything, I think Ninetales will still have a, like, a spot on some teams. Yeah, That's I my hot so. take. Yeah, I, I can agree that with that. That makes sense. The, the one thing that I just want to observe is, like, I think... I, I, I'm going to preface this by saying... Uh, I think Santi's a super good dude, and that I was excited that he won Players' Cup. But him winning a Series 5 tournament with Colossal, where it's not getting banned, is so <laughs> cursed. <laughs> so oh, yeah. absolutely oh, yeah. cursed I... that we're going to have to deal with like a wave of Colossal popularity right as a lot of its <laughs> huge checks are getting banned. <laughs> At least like its best surf support is now That's like true. Weavile. Yeah. That's true, yeah. <laughs> or th- or aqua. Well, it's best surf, right? You can still aqua jet it and things like yeah. that. But yeah, yeah, you can still aqua jet with uh, the other let's thing. Not, but you can redirect. Let's that, not forget so. about Dracloak. Okay, it's still here. <laughs> What's its speed though? It's not fast. How fast I, is I honestly have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> is that? I, I know. I know. Dreepy is very fast because the the other. I mean, this is kind of a tangent. The other day, I was <laughs> I thinking, Dragapult has two Dreepies on its head. Yeah. Yes. So. Um, if it has two Dreepies on its head, it should have like at least double Dreepy stats. And it turns out that it has less than double Dreepy stats in a lot of the stats. Uh, and Dreepy is, is like 81 speed oh, wow. or something. Oh, damn. Okay. I was going to say... Either way, Dracloak, if they were... Dracloak speed ties Garchomp. Is it really? <laughs> wow. Oh, yes. that's so interesting. I'm a little concerned that you know all of that, Yuri. But like, it's, <laughs> it's a, it works in context because we were talking about it. <laughs> Um, okay, uh, so yeah, I think, uh, again, at the very least, it'll be interesting, and it'll be fun and new, and we'll see what happens, and we'll talk about this in two months, uh, <laughs> and find out how we liked, uh, Series 6, so let's, uh, move on to the latter portions of our, our, uh, our podcast here, um, so Yuri, I think you said you did have a question prepared for us, so if you do have that, please feel free to fire away. Yes, so, as a VGC player... Uh, I have a brand to protect. My brand is hating pineapple on pizza. Your brand is hating it. Now I can, yes. Oh. Now I can accept. I can accept that some people eat it. 
I did not judge it too much before trying it myself. A lot of Italians are hating me right now for the fact that I have tried it. <laughs> I was forced. Sorry, guys. Um, I consider it very bad, but now I have to ask you people's opinions uh, on this. I think I already have a bit of the opinion on Brendan's, but I want to hear it for to make sure. Yeah, so I think I'm pretty sure we talked about it in uh, Postwick United chat at some point. Um, but so here, first of all, okay, so my biggest problem, first of all, with pineapple pizzas is that they also have ham on them, and I really don't like ham. So that's like that's like the first thing uh, that I'm not a huge fan of. And also, I just don't like pineapple on pizza. I, I, I don't understand it. I just think that, like, of all the things that you could put on a pizza, like, why would you put a pineapple on there? It doesn't taste good. These two things are both very good when you separate them from each other, and it just, like, detracts from both pizza and pineapple when you put them together. I, I like I I will not seek it out. I I would never. I plead the fifth. Nope, you can't. <laughs> I okay. That is I not like allowed. it. I enjoy it. Hawaiian and pizza is my favorite to... kind of pizza. Oh, it's your favorite kind of pizza. Listen, I love ham. Ham is like my favorite thing. Oh like, my god! I love everything ham related. <laughs> so I really like ham on pizza. I tried Hawaiian once, and I was like, oh, this is really good. And so. If, if you asked me, like, what is your favorite kind of pizza, I would answer Hawaiian, and I'm, like, 300% not sorry about it. Oh, no! <laughs> what a bad if you opinion! you could see my face right now, <laughs> oh my god. It's good that I, I didn't regret. say before we did this podcast, because Yuri just might have left. I, I, might have <laughs> I regret everything. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> oh god. I also just, I don't get why oh, this boy. is such a big deal. Like... Because I'm it's cursed. Make, I'm not going to make fun of someone for putting green peppers on their pizza, even though I would never eat it. Like, Well, it's different, because uh, the people that started the pineapple on pizza is terrible thing is the makers of pizza, Italians. We're, we're the ones that hate it. Coming, hate it it's coming right from the, from the horse's mouth, Jake, okay? Oh, no. And constantly talk about it. I if, can't even argue for that. Example, you are damned for by example, an entire culture. As someone who enjoys uh, sushi, if a Japanese person came to me and told me that the way sushi is done here is absolutely terrible and just disrespectful and just completely and utterly inedible i would be like you might have a point here no listen i'm not i'm not trying to claim that it's like natural or like the right way to eat it or the best way to eat it i just you heard like it, here. it. Jake so hates i'm gonna Italians. eat it. jake hates italy and italian no. you heard it here first oh no <laughs> Oh, great question, Yuri. Okay. <laughs> and uh, I'll turn it to Jake for his little portion of the podcast here. Music! Yay! Okay, so it's been six weeks, I think, since our last podcast. Maybe Have we bit. talked about folklore on here yet? No, no, actually, it's been a month. No, no, I went back and made sure we hadn't. We oh our last God. Our last episode was the weekend before folklore came out. So, oh like, I wrote that goodness. down as, like, obviously, me and Brendan are going to rant about folklore because it's amazing. Uh, one of my my favorite thing about it is that my hometown in Orlando, not <laughs> my hometown in Florida, outside Orlando, uh, is actually mentioned in the bonus track, the lakes, because my hometown is named after Windermere, which is like a big lake in England, and she talks about it, which I think is pretty cool. Um, other than that, I my like one of my favorite bands, probably my favorite band, Mr. Wives, also released an album at the same time as Folklore, uh, and it's called Super Bloom, and it's amazing. Uh, so I've listened to that a whole lot, and then like in the last week, I have three because it's been a while. 
Um, in the last week or two, I've really started listening to a band called Hot Milk a lot. And I know that's a weird name, and I'm not debating that. Uh, but they like <laughs> they remind me of like Riot Era Paramore when it's really cool because they're kind of like pop punky. Um, uh-huh. But it's all their songs are like really. They only have like seven songs I know. They're pretty new. Um, but I've been having I've ha- I've had them all like on repeat. And my favorite one is called "Are You Feeling Alive," and I recommend that highly. You know, warm milk has its place in society, but I'm not sure how I feel about hot milk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I don't know. I I I just I don't. I'm, I'm not. I'm just gonna hold myself back and just say that like folklore by Taylor Swift is just like one of the best albums I've ever heard. I'm a little bit biased, <laughs> but like I can't stop listening to it, and it's been out for what like over a month now. It's it's just yeah. like it's just like is such a transcendent album, and it's. Ugh. God, I, I, I'm like actively having to stop myself here. So if you really want to talk about it, feel free to like get in my DMs and I'll fangirl. But uh, I'll, I'll stop. I'll stop for now. <laughs> I will say that Blake Hopper uh, was a noted hater of Lover uh, and has not been much of a Taylor Swift fan. But even he thinks folklore is amazing. So mm. just going to throw that out there. King. <laughs> well, that means I might have to check it out myself because I have it. Oh, oh you should. I highly encourage you to do so, Yuri. <laughs> Especially if you want to like hop into your feels for a couple hours, like oh, man. by all means. <laughs> <laughs> all right, what you got? Anything? Me? Yeah. Uh, honestly, unfortunately, uh, I don't really listen to a lot of music that comes out. I have a weird relationship with music. Um, a lot of what I listen to is video game music. Oh, okay. Um, I think that's, cool. that's what Tommy was talking watch. about too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of what I listen to is video game music, so it's often related to what I have played recently. Mm. Um, for example, for Players' Cup, both the Invitational and uh, the Finals, uh, to call myself before the tournament, as I was stressing, uh, I was listening to a lot of Celeste music mm. cool. uh, since I played that relatively recently, uh, a few months ago. Um, for like actual non-video game music, I mostly listen to things I grew up with. A lot of that is... Um, as much as it pains me to say it, uh, emo slash punk rock oh. or classic rock. <laughs> we stand or so things hard. Like that. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I still listen to that. You know what I was listening to on the car ride home? Uh, all time low. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, I grew up listening to Queen mm-hmm. and things around that. Cool. Uh, and then, I don't know. I've listened to a lot of, uh, not a lot of, I've listened to Green Day recently for Ooh. the first time uh. in years. Um, because American Idiot was is very topical right now. It is, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that's pre- that's pretty much my experience with music recently. <laughs> yeah, Green Day's great. Dookie is one of my favorite albums of all time. That's so yeah. good. Such a good album. Um, all right, so that's gonna gonna do it for the Yuri portion of our podcast uh, here this week so yuri thanks so much for joining us uh yeah that was one of, actually one of my favorite uh guest questions um i, I think that's one <laughs> of the one of the first ones that's evoked an emotional response in me so like <laughs> <laughs> congratulations on that one but yeah thanks so much for coming by yeah thank you guys for having me all right, so you can look forward to our switch into Series 6 in just a week, uh, but we're going to step away for just a few seconds, and uh, Jake and I will be right back.
Hey everyone, welcome back, and thanks for sticking with us into the ultimate and final portion of episode 23 this week. Um, yeah, as we appreciate everybody that continues to listen to the podcast, because I know we've kind of been putting everything out a little bit more sporadically, uh, but we're trying to maintain the quality of our podcast instead of just kind of like eating them out there every couple mm-hmm. weeks. Um, and without a whole lot going on, I feel like this is probably the way that we're going to continue to do things for the foreseeable future is just kind of like pump one out when uh, there's stuff going on and when you feel like we can produce uh, a good second half specifically with yeah. relevant content and a good guest and everything like that. So uh, I feel like we delivered on all of those promises this week. So, uh, you know, the frequency might not be the same, but the podcast will be. Yeah, nicely put. I think we just want to make sure that we're both like proud of whatever we're putting out and i don't think we could get to that point if we're just trying to force things out every two weeks without anything to talk mm. about so agreed all right our idea mill is still running we're not going anywhere um but we just want to make sure that we're making good stuff and not just making stuff for the sake of it <laughs> as always you can find our socials uh at soundproofcast for the podcast at mr vjog 46 vgc for brendan at major woman underscore for me at Yuri VGC for Yuri. I realize we didn't ask him to plug himself, so that's his. I know he streams on Twitch too. Uh, so go follow him. He's Yuri, VG- he's Yuri VGC on, on Twitch too. Yeah. He has he has this incentive sometimes where you can use your channel points to make him wear a whole bunch of hats. <laughs> sometimes he's just like wearing like six or seven hats at the same time. Amazing. And every every time I get a notification that he's streaming, I make sure to go in and make sure that he has the maximum number of hats on. <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect. I didn't. I didn't want to say it while he was on because I know it annoys him. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So yeah, he streams. Go check him out. His streams are actually a lot of fun. He plays Celeste in between. Make sure we get our plugs in, even though he's departed now. Yeah. Um, yeah. His his streams are cool. Highly recommend. All right. So that'll do it for episode twenty three. Please look out for our next podcast within the next uh, month or so. Period we'll of probably time. have one out. And next time, there's more to talk about. Uh, but we're looking forward. Uh, to getting another one out for you guys so thanks for sticking with us and we'll see you again next time